Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. Finally, we have another new episode, Kartik, and uh, we've got some big news to share. I mean, for anyone who's gone to worldsoccertalk.com this week, uh, you would have seen it. Um, we kind of hinted at it last week, and finally, it's it's live. Um, it's a brand new website. It's a completely different uh, design. Uh, I, I had a lot. Of, it's interesting, too, because I uh, in doing this redesign, and well, we have, we've got a new logo. We've got a new look and feel for the newsletter. I guess I found out how, how much how many people didn't like the old design. I thought the old design was okay. It was kind of simple, but uh, the feedback from everyone was that this is so much better than the old design, and and, and that's fine. I and I agree with that. But uh, Kartik, yeah. So listeners, if if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, um, big news, and that's uh, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Complete different new look and feel, new logo. Uh, podcast has got a new logo too and uh i think it looks really really good having said that kartik let's move on because actually let's let's skip the uh, what we've been watching and go straight to the news uh for listeners who are tuning in this week and have not listened to this podcast before and you're wondering uh what are we rambling on about it is about the soccer media business so everything from uh television production our favorite commentators uh, who's doing the best job of, of covering the games, the latest streaming news and, and how that, that affects our um, viewing experience. Uh, and, and, you know, and we touch on other topics too. But Kartik, let's talk about the first topic. And this is an interesting one because uh, Copa Libertadores is a big deal, especially a big deal in South America. It's a big deal in the United States where we record this. It's a, a major tournament. And there was some news that was released this week that could give us an idea of perhaps who the rights might be going to, perhaps in the future. Yeah, uh, some really interesting, uh, maybe progressive news from Colin Ball in terms of uh, uh, the streaming light rights being exclusively offered, separate from the media rights. Uh, Colin uh, Ball, along with their media agency that they've retained, which is FCDS Media. Um, have told broadcasters that they would take bids from streaming-only services, that those would be considered for the 2023 to 2026 rights cycle, the, the upcoming rights cycle that's up for bids. So you could very easily see um, Copa Libertadores maybe ending up on a streaming-only surface, which gives us 
greater access to the games than, quite frankly, we've had in the United States. Let's say this happens in the United States because, um, as you know, it's been a challenge at times to find Copa Libertadores matches uh, on American television and on American streaming. So this is a a potentially uh, big news and that they will take bids from streaming-only packages. Yeah, on this one, Kartik, I would disagree with you. I would say that um, being sports is probably a good home for Copa Libertadores. They show all the games. Uh, any games that are happening at the same time, they would have uh, available on Bean Sports Connect. Uh, they've provided uh, Spanish language, English language, and uh, Portuguese language of the competition. Um, I, th- I think your point about uh, accessibility is, is probably more so about just being sports in general. There's a lot of people yeah. that don't, don't get being sports. Or, or don't like it. That that's, oh, oh, I, now, right. whether there's a whether there's uh, a justified bias or not, Chris. Generally, when things now are on be in, there are complaints about them and complaints about the accessibility, complaints about the coverage. So, uh, if if uh, it goes to a streaming only platform, it may feel like it's more accessible. At the same time, I don't know that be in can afford not to have the rights in this country, right? I don't think. I mean, we've talked. We seem to talk about this every week with where be in is, but I think they need to retain these. Well, this is the last year under the current deal with BN Sports. So BN Sports, I would imagine, would be interested in renewing this. Uh, but at the same time, there will be other bidders for sure. And um, yeah, BN Sports, I, I can see BN Sports in the future becoming effectively a gold TV, which still in business, still producing programming, uh, a very small staff and still on the airwaves. Um but nothing like it was once before. Same, same with Gold TV. Gold TV at one point had the Bundesliga, had La Liga. I mean, at some times, or, uh, Serie A, Gold TV at different points in its history have, has been a top dog uh, in, in soccer coverage, or at least one, one of the, bit, the top dogs. Uh, now it's almost forgotten about. And I think being sports, if it wants to stay in business, would probably end up being very much like that, where... Yes, it's available, but doesn't have all the big games. And uh, you mean kind of its glory days are in the past. Um, but yeah, no, I think your point too about uh, being sports and the accessibility of it. You mean in some ways, being sports is as accessible as as any other streaming service, if not more so accessible. It's on it's pr- on pretty much everywhere um, in terms of all the streaming packages you want to sign up for. But um, yeah, Copa Libertadores. If I'm Conmebol, I'm like, do I want to have my my top uh, club competition, effectively the, the Champions League version in South America? Do I want it on being sports? Would I much prefer it to be on ESPN Plus or Paramount Plus or uh, the Warner Media slash Discovery streaming service? Um, you mean whether you mean there's a whole bunch of options there uh, or some other streaming service? Will I get more cachet by having my competition on a, a major broadcast? streaming service and and i think so kartik i think so i think i think we're at the point in time now where being sports if you're a fan of league One or the turkish league you mean you're probably happy with what you have because you have more coverage um than ever before on television copa libertadores um i don't know maybe it, it deserves better do, do you agree kartik 
Uh, yeah, I do agree, and I, and I think again, there's a maybe a built-in bias against BN, uh, and people people were happier when they were getting these matches on Fox uh, Fox Deportes, and you were just getting sporadic matches, and they are with it on BN. Which again, I I don't necessarily agree with that point of view, but I just know it's fairly widespread in the soccer community, and the reputation of BN took another hit during the Cup of African Nations. So, uh, I, but opening this up to maybe streaming-only platforms connected to a major broadcaster, I think is a very, very positive thing potentially for uh, for, for Connaball and, and Copa Libertadores. And having kind of a, a one-stop shop home where you can find the matches is good too. Because, yeah, BN is a, uh, a broadcaster that has uh, some matches are on BN, some are only on BN in Espanol, uh, uh, some are on uh, BN Sports Connect, right? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 also will streamline it for fans of South American football. It it could, but also it could make it more confusing. I mean, one one of the advantages with Copa Libertadores is that you know that BN Sports has the rights and they have all the games exclusively. But if there was, in terms of the next right cycle, so we'll find out this year uh, what happens for 2023 onwards to 2026. But what happens if uh, if there's two broadcasters, one broadcaster in English, one in Spanish, and the Spanish one might be Tuduene, you mean, and they have uh, some some of the games on television, but then the English language broadcasts, uh, some of those are on, say, Paramount Plus, so it's split. Um, you mean, th- th- then there's always kind of the, okay, which place do I, do I watch the game? Who has the game? And, and then the other thing, too, is if, if, say, CBS went in and said, okay, hey, we're, we're picking up the rights um, on both TV and streaming, streaming is a slam dunk with Paramount Plus. But the TV side of things, I mean, CBS Sports Network, uh, how much programming is on during a weeknight? I mean, is there opportunities to, to show games or does it get push, pushed to the side because of some other competition? So yeah, we we'll have to we we'll have to see what happens on that one. But uh, that's definitely a story to keep an eye on. Now, Kartik, uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, on Wednesday, I was on a um, teleconference call um, in regards to some major news, and that is that Televisa Univision has gotten into the streaming wars, and uh, they are launching a brand new streaming service. And just what we wanted, right? An- another streaming service to complicate things. Well, this one is a little bit different, and, and it's still I'm still a little bit sketchy on some of the details. Um, I'm still working on trying to get all of all of the uh, uh, nuts and bolts in order to try to figure out exactly how this is going to work. But this is a big deal. So, so there's there's two parts of it. There's VIX, which is going to be a advertising supported uh, streaming service. So that would be very much like uh, being Sports Extra or uh, some of the channels on on, on Pluto TV where you have a lot of programming and then uh, you have advertising built into it. And, and it's it's free for the consumer. Uh, you just have to kind of sit through ads as you would normally do on, on regular television. And then they have VIX Plus. And VIX Plus is their subscription streaming platform. Now, um, what, what's the first thing you think of, uh, Kartik, when you hear the name VIX? You think of uh, VapoRub, VIX Vapor Rub or NyQuil. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that, well, yeah. So this one's spelled a little bit differently. So it's, it's V I X. But but yeah, I mean, but the first thing I I thought of, you know, Vix is definitely a good one. I didn't think of that one, but the the, the first thing I thought of was uh, was Wix, the the kind of the basically hosting website uh, platform where you can create your own website, and they've done a ton of advertising over the years. So I guess that in these days, I mean, the name isn't as important as long as it sticks and people remember it, and it's uh, easy to type into. You mean. Know, a browser, whether it's a phone or a uh, uh, computer, but uh, but that's the name. But let me look through my notes in terms of some of the notes that I wrote down in in regards to this news. So again, I'm going to get all the details, and I'll ha- I'll have a major story at uh, worldsoccertalk.com that goes into a lot more detail about than this. But it looks like VIX will also include being sports and and español. And this is the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get clarification on. Is this being sports extra in Espanol or is this being sports en Espanol? Because uh, in the presentation, it was being sports en Espanol, which is a big deal because that's you mean, only available through you mean, cable or satellite or through a streaming service such as Fubo TV, etc. So that, that's, that's the first part of it. Um, they will have free live soccer on VIX. Uh, the other thing, I mean, so so they'll have a game of the week uh, now and again. Um, most of the g- coverage is going to be on VIX Plus, but they will have some soccer on, on VIX. Uh, the other thing, too, they're going to have a, a 24-7 sports news channel. It's going to be called uh, Zona Tuduene, and um, that's going to have everything from, you know, of course, news, but also um, interviews and some discussions, etc., kind of analysis, too. So that's a big deal. Ultimately, they're going to have 100-plus uh, channels on there. Now, my question, Kartik, when I first heard this news, uh, before we get to VIX Plus, is what happens to Prende TV? And Prende TV was the big deal that Univision announced uh, about a year ago. That, that's been kind of a place to go to that is very similar to, to VIX, if not almost exactly the same, except for the name. Um, and it looks, it sounds like... Prende TV is going to be phased out over time, and then VIX will be the uh, the streaming place to go to 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 watch these hundred plus linear channels. Uh, some of it w- will include soccer games, but not a ton. All right, so that's VIX. <laughs> this is confusing, right? I mean, this is kind of it's like so much going on. The other part of it is VIX Plus, and they are positioning this as the home of soccer. For Spanish language fans now, VIX Plus, um, they haven't decided yet on what the price will be, uh, but it will be premium. It'll be premium content on here, uh, including, of course, movies, telenovelas, uh, dramas, etc. In uh, Spanish language, uh, it will have, according to um, uh, Univision, it will have three thousand, well, actually more than three thousand live soccer games a year. So what it sounds like is they're taking kind of all their properties and putting it on VIX Plus. And uh, it will have, it'll include Liga MX games. It's going to have uh, four of the teams on there. Now I'm trying to find out which of those four teams. Is it is it Club America? Is it uh, Tigres? Is it, you mean, Cruz Azul? Or is it uh, FC Suarez and some of the other teams? So I'm getting clarification on, on that. Again, we'll have the story at worldsoccertalk.com. 
And then uh, it's also going to have the Champions League. And the way that they positioned it, Kartik, is that uh, that VIX Plus will be the exclusive uh, home of the Champions League in Spanish. And this is a big deal because my first question was, okay, well, what about television? What about Univision? What about Unamas? What about Galavision? Um, you know, what about Tudo Ene? Does this mean that all of the Champions League games are now going to be exclusively in Spanish on VIX Plus and no longer on Univision, no longer some of the games on, on Prende TV? That's what it sounds like. But again, I'm getting clarification on this. So it sound, overall, the big message is goodbye Prende TV, uh, hello VIX, and then VIX, the first one, will probably have some Argentine games, some Brazilian games, maybe Game of the Week here and there. And then VIX Plus is going to be the new destination for Spanish language uh, viewers. Kartik, given all that, I mean, what's your thoughts or analysis around this whole news? Well, I, I think that the uh, basic uh, basic piece of analysis is that Prende TV didn't quite fill the bill in the streaming wars for Televisa and, and, and Univision. I, I think that you have a situation where uh, they... They launched out with much fanfare, and it was just a streaming service that was kind of lost in in in, uh, in the ether somewhere, right? Just another streaming service. So this, um, I think, gives them an opportunity to get a subscription-based uh, type constituency, and they're offering. It appears to be based on based on your notes a lot more than was offered on Friday TV. So uh, this is them entering kind of the the, the, the streaming wars with. The discoveries with the HBO Maxes, with uh, the Disney's and 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 the and the NBCs and CBSs, in a way that uh, Prende TV did not allow them to. Yeah, a few more things on this too is that um, the way they're positioning it, positioning it is it's one global app. So when they're talking about um, VIX and VIX Plus, they're talking talking about globally. So it's going to be a, a global streaming service. Um, most of the Spanish language. Uh, I mean, community around the world. The largest number are based in Mexico and the United States of America. So it makes a lot of sense in terms of launching a streaming service. But the other thing that they were pushing too is that a question came up and said, okay, well, what about Televisa and what about Univision? Like, how, how, how do they differentiate? And I think it was the CEO, he says, we are one company. It's not Televisa, it's not Univision, it's Televisa Univision. It's one company. That's the that's the name. That's the brand, and it's those those two companies together to form one company. So just as in the past, where we would talk about CBS Viacom, um, which is recently renamed actually this past week to Paramount, <laughs> which is different than Paramount Plus, but at least it's kind of in line with you I mean Paramount and then Paramount Plus. Just as CBS Viacom, it's now um, Televisa Univision. So it's a big deal. I mean, this is a major announcement. And the way I look at it, Kartik, is that this is pretty... I mean, Telemundo, so you look at Telemundo Deportes, which is their biggest competitor in the United States. They really don't have their own streaming service, right? Because they're attached to Peacock and they've got Telemundo coverage. Uh, they're creating kind of um, sections on Peacock that are going to have Spanish language content on there. Uh, including games, but it's not a Spanish language app. It's an English language app 
that has Spanish language add-ons or sections. Now with VIX and VIX Plus, it's completely Spanish language. I mean, kind of the the, the vision for this, so it makes it easier to go ahead and promote that as, hey, this is the home of of, of soccer uh, for a Spanish language audience. And I would imagine too, Kartik, that um, they'd be looking to to boost this with uh, some more rights, and they might look at say MLS. And MLS, maybe maybe they make a big play to try to get MLS and say, okay, well, VIX Plus also include, in addition to the Champions League, in addition to some of the games from Mexico, the Mexican national team, in addition to some of the other uh, games that it has rights to, um, Liga Max, of course, is MLS. And MLS from 2023 onwards, uh, for the Spanish language audience, I mean, the home to go to, the main, main place to go to for, is, is MLS. So um, it's a big deal. And, and again, I'm going through all the details just because there's a lot to take into consideration here and trying to get some clarification on the news. But um, for Spanish language um, viewers, I, I think it's a massive deal. And then for the rest of us, too, it's a big deal, too, because, I mean, <laughs> it, does, it doesn't make any sense, though, Kartik, right? To these Champions League games that we've had this week, we've had uh, PSG, Real Madrid, and I mean Inter against Liverpool, and you mean more games in in the future that will be on over the air CBS, but also over the air Univision. In some ways, it doesn't make sense to put these only on streaming and nothing on television. But I guess that's what CBS has been doing for the longest time with uh, Champions League games. For the most part, almost all of them have been Paramount Plus, and very few of them on over the air CBS. So uh, this will this will will be one to watch, and, and again too, we'll have all the details at worldsoccertalk.com. Hopefully on Thursday, by the time this podcast is out, we'll have we'll have that po- article published. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. And first up, um, in regards to talking about Peacock, and we talked about Peacock quite a bit uh, the last couple of weeks because uh, at, if you're a fan of the Premier League and you've been watching soccer and television, there's been a ton of games on Peacock. Very few on USA Network because of the Winter Olympics. But the, it, the, the, <laughs> at the, on the horizon, I can see the Winter Olympics ending, uh, I think um, this weekend, I believe. So uh, games are coming back to USA Network. David Warren says, uh, number one, given so many of the Premier League matches are on Peacock, and given they are running Olympics on USA Network right up until kickoff these days, do they or don't they have pre-game and post-game shows? I cannot find them on the Premier League hub. Do they, do they exist? If so, why do they make it impossible to find online? If they don't exist, why are Arlo and all the others at SoFi Stadium for a 10-minute halftime show? All right, so that, that's the first point, Kartik. He's got a couple of other points too, but first of all, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I've been very, very frustrated in finding the Premier League matches. I, I just think that it's the uh, the way the the uh, Peacock app is laid out, and the maybe the lack of priority the Premier League is given uh, regularly on that app. It's not just an Olympics thing or a Super Bowl thing that uh, you have to dig and dig and dig to find streams and uh, or find things. And then once you get there, it's fine. It's great. I mean, the functionality 
of of the app has improved uh and and, and uh, the picture is great I, I haven't had the problems where i'm thrown out at halftime i mean actually in that sense uh, peacock is better than paramount plus at this point uh, in terms of being able to then find the stream and watch it straight through but finding it where's paramount plus i open uh the app right away the stuff that i'm interested in pops up you know whether it's uh soccer stuff or smithsonian t- channel or documentaries right right away peacock i have to dig and dig and dig and search to find Premier League content but um i do i do have to give them credit in that they had some issues with crashing and and um, general reliability of the app the first year or so that the Premier League was on Peacock. Now, once you get that stream, you're good until the match ends. Yeah, Peacock's getting better for sure. Paramount Plus is getting better too. But but same thing with me, Kartik. Halftime, I always get kicked out of uh, streaming on Paramount Plus a lot of the times for watching games, and then I have to kind of restart the stream, and then it's fine. But that does happen quite a few times. Um, we've noticed that for a while too, I think. But yeah, with Peacock, it's it's right now, it's getting better, but it's still too complicated. It needs to be um, kind of, it, it, it's confusing, right? It's confusing because I, I was watching this past weekend. I knew that Arlo and the crew were there, but then the games I was watching, I mean, kind of the pre-match, halftime, post-match, didn't have them there. They were only on one of the games, like say the Liverpool-Burnley game, uh, they'd be on pre-match, halftime, post-match, but not the other games that are happening at the same time. And there was one of the listeners, too, that uh, I think they posted on, um, I think either on social media or in the comments section at worldsoccertalk.com, but he had a uh, a clue. He said, actually, it was on Twitter, and he said, hey, I figured out uh, how we know which game is going to have the NBC Sports crew uh, talent um, you mean providing shoulder programming for that game. And he says the way you do it is you go into Peacock, and when you have all the game lineups as far as, you mean, it's, I don't know, Man City against Tottenham, you mean Liverpool against Burnley, whatever it is, if the graphic has pictures of the players on it, so Jack Grealish, you mean uh, Harry Kane, etc., then those are the games that actually have pre-match, half-time, post-match. If it's a kind of a, a thumbnail of a game that's just, I mean, I don't know, Liverpool versus Burnley, and that's all it is. Uh, it's not going to have the, the pre-match, half-time, post-match, which, I, which makes sense. I mean, now that I look at it, now that I go on to Peacock, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, that makes sense now that those games are the ones. But intuitively, even, even that was by trial and error. I'm sure that he figured that, that out. But intuitively, me as a user going to Peacock, I mean, that doesn't mean necessarily that there's a crew there um, covering the game. I mean, this, this with Peacock and the Olympics, it's a little bit screwy anyway because there's so many games on Peacock. But the experience should be much better than what it is. I mean, it should be that every game you're watching, you're getting the analysis. And we get that with the, with the Champions League with on Paramount Plus is even if they're focusing on the one game more, if you're watching the other game that's happening at the same time, you still get the halftime post-match coverage too. So, yeah. Anyway, David goes on. He says, number two, they take the world feed for so many matches on Peacock, but they cut away abruptly less than 30 seconds after the game's end. Why? 
NBC owns the rights and they have tons of streaming channels. Why not run the world feed feed until the very end? Part of why we watch football is for the post-match celebrations and condolences. I just don't don't get it. They literally cut off the commentators mid-sentence, as I saw repeatedly this week, and then... Uh, they couldn't find. Uh, then I couldn't find uh, the post-match shows either, given the Olympics. So on on that one, Kartik, uh yeah, I've noticed that, and that's been one of my biggest complaints about Fox over the last ten years. Is when it, when they had the Premier League rights too. Is as soon as the game ended, like within two seconds of of the end, end they'd cut away to a commercial. I'm like, let the game breathe. And that was one of the things that NBC Sports did right when they first started covering the game in 2000, 2013. Is they would let it breathe. They would you'd have like a couple of minutes at least sometimes. Uh, of just a post match, and you would hear just just the sound of the crowd and the, the players, and and that was that was yeah at the time you mean um, kind of a revolutionary, but yeah I think for the Olympics uh, going back to what David was saying with Peacock after every single game I mean within like what thirty seconds it would switch right to the the feed for the Olympics and they're just trying to bump up those numbers trying to get people hooked on watching the winter olympics um and you mean hoping that they continue watching the winter olympics and, and that'll help increase those numbers all right last but not least uh, david says um regarding kartik's Qu- uh, question as to why they're they are doing midweek shows from sofi stadium because they actually don't have a free studio olympics using them all remember nbc didn't send their play-by-play and color commentators generally to beijing they're using tons of studios up in uh, Stamford, Connecticut to do off-tube commentating. And that's the other thing, Kartik, going back to kind of the, the point before about, um, like, you mean, we know that Arlo White and the two Robbies and Tim Howard were in in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium outside it. Beautiful backdrop, looked really great. But the reality is, is that... Um, if they didn't send them to Los Angeles, where would they have sent them to? Because they had no studio available. So Stamford, Connecticut, where they do uh, the Premier League Live studio, uh, w- wasn't available. And so other, I mean, did they go with no studio? Or did they try to figure out, is there another NBC Sports location with a studio that could do it? Or do we send them out to Los Angeles? And it seems a little bit of a waste with the Los Angeles Super Bowl, because they really didn't do much. Uh, I think there was one of those midweek uh, Peacock games where we thought that they would be on air, but it didn't seem like they were. I think it was on on a Tuesday game. Um, but it's probably, I'm sure it was a lot of fun for Arlo and the two Robbies and Tim Howard being there. But for the viewer, viewership, uh, I think in that viewing experience, it didn't really didn't make sense and it didn't really add much. Jim says, uh, great job with the podcast as always. It's a must listen every week for me. I just wanted to have a little complaint about Peacock's coverage of the Premier League. What really annoys me is that uh, what might be a pulsating game featuring my beloved Newcastle United, the coverage ends even while the commentator is still talking about the game. You can have manager and players clapping the fans and the coverage cuts off, which really takes you out of the euphoria of a win or just your general enjoyment of a terrific game. Couldn't Peacock at least extend their coverage until the commentators have ended their dialogue? And we are well into the post-match celebrations. Thanks again for a great podcast. Yeah, and Jim, we hope so. Now that uh, this weekend is going to be the end of the Winter Olympics, hopefully they'll return to uh, normal 
after that because next week there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch more games on peacock a lot of midweek games um yeah if you're not on peacock you're definitely missing out on the premier league because there's a ton of matches all right Kartik, switching to a uh, La Liga, Bundesliga uh, question here. And this is something that I, I know you've uh, spoken to, about in the past before. And this is from Martin in Colorado. Martin says, ESPN Plus has obviously been favoring La Liga over Bundesliga in every way this year. However, when I log into the ESPN Plus app, it shows me Bundesliga games as first option. Is this because of my previous viewing habits, or is it coming up for everyone like this? Um, for me, it's the same, but I assume it's because of my viewing habits. I watch La Liga still more sporadically than I watch the Bundesliga. I mean, I watch the Bundesliga every week, so uh, it it uh, it pops up in front of me. Quite quite honestly, when I open the Hulu app, the same thing happens. If there's a Bundesliga match, it's right in my face. Even yeah. on that app, that, that kind of stresses entertainment and stuff. So it'll be a Bundesliga match in my face, and then I'll scroll down and I'll have like movie recommendations or TV for you. But uh, So I think it's based on an algorithm to us specifically as individuals. But but that's a great question for our listeners. Are you getting Bundesliga recommended over uh, La Liga? Yeah, my, my take on this one, Kartik, is that um, La Liga spreads their games out through the whole weekend. So usually there might be a game, say... Um, on a weekend, a ten fifteen a.m. kickoff Eastern time, maybe a twelve thirty Eastern, you mean a two forty five Eastern, um, and with the Bundesliga, it's like everything happens at once, almost right. You have like I don't know six or seven uh, games all happening at the same time on a Saturday morning uh, at nine thirty a.m. Eastern time. Then you've got like a you mean a twelve thirty game, and then the next day you've got a couple of games. So if I go on to ESPN Plus on a Saturday morning, that's all I see is like Bundesliga all over the place, and then I'm scrolling through trying to find that one championship game that's hidden uh, towards the right, or that one La Liga game which is like to the right. I'm, I'm clicking, clicking, clicking to try to find it. Um, so I I think it's slightly personalized. It's still not as personalized as I would want it. Uh, it should know what I watch the most, but I don't think it's still not there yet. So, um, but yeah, listeners, if you do have any thoughts on that one, definitely let us know because uh, if you're having a different experience or, um, I mean, oftentimes I, I get a whole bunch of sports listed at the top. I have zero interest in, and, I, and I'm just, especially on a Saturday afternoon, no offense, college football fans, but I'm going through going like, okay, I have no interest in watching any of these games. I probably have never watched any of these games, but yet I see all of them listed at the top section. That That's interesting. I don't think that that's happened to me uh, with college football. I think it's still, um, well, maybe Saturday after. Okay, so that's interesting. Okay, so that's after Bundesliga matches are done, right? And there's just still La Liga matches going on because we know – Kickoff times tend to be later in Southern Europe, um, but okay, I would. So that but I would say, and I'm not looking at the app at that time a lot of times, even though I, I like to watch La Liga. But I'm not. I'm not always on that app the way I am during Bundesliga match times. But I would say, and this is all credit to you, Kartik. But still, the Hulu uh, tip is the greatest tip because if you subscribe to ESPN Plus and you also get uh, Hulu, if you log into Hulu it'll come up with some suggestions of what what's happening live at that moment. And it's a, it's a more um, limited list. It's not everything. 
And that seems to be more predictive in terms of the things I'm interested in. So oftentimes when I'm going to Hulu and going through on an evening, it's got, okay, hey, ESPN FC is live right now. Click, you mean, or there's, there's a game on whatever a game it is. But it's, that seems to be more tailored to, to me, uh, which is interesting. I don't know if that's by coincidence or if that's – but I would th- I'd imagine it would be based on – That's another thing, right? On Hulu, I always see when ESPN FC is going on live. On ESPN Plus – it's hard to find, right? Yeah, I, I don't find it, and I end up watching it. That's a great point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, when I'm watching ESPN li- plus uh, ESPN FC Live, it's because it shows up on my Live Now Hulu right away when I open the app. Yeah. When I'm watching it on tape it's, uh, or the next morning, then it's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, that's a, that, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, even my viewing habits for ESPN+. Uh, FC have been affected by the Hulu bundle, which, again, I mean, I think probably more than half the time I'm using ESPN Plus now, I'm watching it via Hulu, uh, just because of the ease of access. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Very, yeah, no, that, that, that's that's good. That's good to know. And, and for me, I think it's uh, I don't watch Hulu as much, but when I do go into Hulu, then I'm more likely to click through to some of the ESPN Plus live content. Because um, when, I, when I'm in Hulu, I'm not thinking sports. I'm thinking, okay, um, I don't know, the uh, Pam and Tommy <laughs> series about Pamela Anderson and, and Tommy Lee. Um, but the uh, a pro tip on, on uh, if you consider me a pro, on Hulu is that with their movies, it seems like they have a lot of good movies that rotate through there. It's just yep. a lot of chance. Uh, like Amazon Prime. I guess not that different than Prime. But there are some months, and I know they rotate these movies through and then they come and they go on Hulu. That as a movie app, if you like older classic movies uh, like like I do, uh, it's uh, it's a better app than, than Netflix or, or, Am- or, or Prime. Uh, so – it, it all kind of depends. And sometimes those months are the months that I'm in the Hulu app and I'll open it and I'll say, okay, I want to watch this old Western that I know that they have on Hulu this month uh, because it's shown up in my inbox and in the email, hey, this might be of interest to you. I open it up and it's like, oh, yeah, that Bundesliga match is going on. I'll watch that first. So they, they've done a really good job. I think just in general, Disney seems a step ahead in, in understanding their customers and their preferences and trying to deliver it right to you directly with, with uh, a le- uh, the least amount of fuss. So this is contrasted with what we've just talked about, Chris, which is the, uh, uh, the, the Paramount Plus where you're having to enter and exit the app all the time uh, to watch a stream straight through, or Peacock where, okay, I, once you're in, it's great, but you have to find the content you want, and that sometimes requires some digging. So again, um, I hear this from a lot of people. It's not just the two of us that, that the Disney, Disney seems to have uh, gotten this stuff right in terms of understanding their customers and uh, tailoring the app to their, to their customers' preferences. Maybe their algorithm is just more advanced. Yeah, Paramount Plus definitely has some good content on there, but not as much as, say, Hulu for me. Now, I, again, each of us is probably going to have a different viewpoint on this because it might be a lot of people who go to Paramount Plus and go like, hey, my favorite shows are on there. Uh, Paramount Plus did have some good movies on there. Um, I know there was a, there was a horror show series on there too that my wife was really into. I think Evil. I think it was yeah, Evil. That's uh, they really. I mean, my whole family except for me really loved loved that. So yeah, it, they've all got good ones, but each some of them are definitely different in terms of the experience. And with Paramount Plus, when I'm going in there, I'm going right to 
uh, Serie A, Champions League, you mean Argentine League. I'm going to the soccer section. The one thing about Paramount Plus I don't like is how they categorize sports. And you go into the main menu, it's like, okay, uh, home, and then shows, and then, I don't know, movies, and then whatever, like live. And for for some reason, sports is considered a show. So sports goes under shows. Now, if you go into shows, then you can select from a whole bunch of different shows, including sports. And then within there, you get the Champions League and those other things. But to me, that always bothers me. I'm like, how is sports categorized as a show? <laughs> it's not a show. It's its own category. But all right, we move on. I digress. All right, next up, uh, we talked about MLS um, last week and talking about burning the candle at both ends and whether it's worth it. And, and again, it's uh, each of us listeners, we all have our different habits. You mean, some of us maybe you mean, work all day and then like to watch games at night or we have different shifts or you mean, we kind of have a flexible schedule, whatever it may be. But Random Black Rain says, my both end of the candle theory has always been by the time MLS rolls onto TV, everyone is soccered out from the morning games on TV and their kids' games in the afternoon. And and that's been my way for a long time too, is that I'd have kids playing uh, travel soccer games or, you mean, AYSO games or just like local rec games uh, on a Saturday afternoon or, you mean, sometimes Saturday or Sunday mornings and then a whole you know, six hours, eight hours, ten hours of soccer from the early morning hours kind of all the way through. And then by the evening, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I need to go out or I need to, I mean, just I'm, I'm done with soccer for the day. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat there as uh, random black rain. Bill says, uh, regarding your discussion about burning the candle at both ends in last week's show, since my son was born, I found it hard to find time to watch European matches on weekend mornings as our family schedule is very busy. In addition to to being devoted to my favorite MLS club, though not necessarily the rest of the league, I've developed a fondness for Liga MX, uh, South American leagues, and anything else that's on later in the evening after my son goes to sleep. Maybe one day I'll have more time to watch the big European matches on the weekend. But for now, I'm quite entertained by the best leagues in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, and I think in many ways, um, depending on each person's schedule, it probably dictates kind of what leagues or clubs they're going to watch uh, more often than not. And, uh, yeah, the early morning hours, getting up at 7.30 Eastern time or 4.30 Pacific time to watch a match from the Premier League or from the Championship, it's not for everyone. It is definitely not for everyone. Chris says, uh, I traveled uh, recently to Las Vegas, Las Vegas and noticed while walking on the Strip, a lot of replica jerseys of European and Liga MX clubs were being worn along with them uh, being sold in the malls. However... When it came to gear from the local USL club, there was very little in the way of it being sold. Granted, oh, pardon me. Granted, I only stayed on the strip during the trip. That this shows me that while Las Vegas has a strong interest in the Premier League and other European leagues, along with Liga MX, it may be a difficult market for MLS to break into, despite the potential revenue to be made. Any attempt to bring an expansion club to Las Vegas will need to be heavily promoted by MLS, in my view. 
Now, Kartik, uh, what's your take on MLS to Las Vegas? Uh, would that work? Um, I I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that the problem is in markets, which are mature markets, right, where European football is already really popular or uh, or, or South American or Mexican football, it's been a tougher uh, – tougher climb for MLS. That having been said, those are generally large markets like Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Boston, uh, th- th- that, are, um, that are of a certain size, right? That are, that are very, very large, your top 10 markets in the country. Las Vegas is not a terribly big television market. It's a growing television market. It's a, it's a place that's growing in, in, in importance, even economically. But so maybe there is a niche of fans there that would uh, like ML, like MLS. The USL team did very well the first few years there when Brett Lashbrook took, uh, uh, decided to put a team in, in Vegas after he had had a lot of experience here in the state of Florida with, with Tampa Bay Rowdies and Orlando City in building building something. And Orlando and Las Vegas are fairly similar markets, right? I, I Even in, in uh, tra- travel, tourism, they're very, very similar markets. So mm-hmm. uh, you you see the success of MLS in Orlando, and you think, yeah, maybe there is that uh, there is that that niche that can be uh, followed in Las Vegas. But I think the difference was in Orlando, there was already an attachment to the USL team that was uh, quote unquote promoted to MLS after they paid um, you know a large entrance fee, right? <laughs> they were promoted in a natural way, but. Um, Vegas, the attachment to the lights. They did a lot of uh, a lot of interesting marketing uh, gimmicks their first couple seasons to get to get uh, fans. A little bit of a hit from COVID. I don't know if they've lost some of those fans. I don't know how much of their attendance was inflated because they did such a good job of marketing specific nights and specific events and had sort of rebel marketing, which I'm not sure is uh, would would be. Uh, uh, Encourage. It would probably be frowned upon in, in, a, in a culture of conformity like an MLS. So I have a lot of questions about that market. I've always had a lot of questions about that market. Mexican football in particular. Liga MX does fantastic there. So uh, we'll see. I, uh, I'm a little dubious also about um, facilities, stadiums, etc. in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I asked you like if you think it will be successful and – in many ways, I think for MLS, the first measure of success is expansion fee. I mean, it's okay. All right, we'll we'll take the well, two hundred million, whatever it, may, it is. Uh, that that's our that's our level of uh, satisfaction. That's our level of okay. Hey, we've we've achieved something here. Now, the rest of it, though, as far as how well that team would do in well, not 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 on the on the field, but off the field in Las Vegas. I mean, from personal experience, I've gone to a bunch of Orlando City games, and when I'm sitting in the crowds, almost always there's tourists next to me. They're like, hey, you can hear different Scottish accents or accents from around the world, and you can tell that they're tourists, they're in town, they're at Disney for the week, and they've come to a game. So Las Vegas, for sure, in terms of um, travelers from around the United States, but international especially, um, are going to be going to some of those games for a night out just to see what what it's all about. Um, but yeah, as far as the actual market itself and whether that'll be a success, um, yeah, that, that's why I lean on you, Kartik, for for kind of your um, knowledge there because from a sports wise, uh, to me it sounds like more it's like entertainment. It's almost like it's like uh, hey, MLS is in Las Vegas. Let's make a big deal out of this. Let's have uh, pictures. In the in the crowd of these famous um, 
basketball players or different sports pictured in the stadium watching a soccer game and and let's play that up um it that it seems more like that i i don't get i mean to me i mean from the outside looking in authenticity would be a concern is okay how authentic is this team going to be is this a a real soccer club or is this more of a an entertainment vehicle to make mls look bigger than than what it is all right next up uh, drew says i'm miffed at world soccer talk for not acknowledging the addition of katie Witham by charlotte fc on its podcast katie is the best soccer reporter in america and uh, you guys not mentioning it is an insult do better christopher and kartik so drew yeah we have mentioned it we just did right there my, my take on this is there's what 28 mls clubs and I mean, almost all of them have sideline reporters some of them probably have more than one sideline reporter um it's something that we don't cover as kind of intimately uh all the different talent moves that's not what we do we're more about the actual broadcast and the streaming and so far i mean it's uh middle of february and charlotte fc has not played its first game yet um in mls so it's it's still early but uh uh drew yep katie has joined uh, charlotte fc which is which is good news i mean I, I know that she's good i um but the reason we didn't mention it before is not because of any slight it's just that you mean these these episodes are so jam-packed with news anyway that oftentimes i find it really difficult to figure out okay what do i call this the the title of this this episode what do i call it because we discussed about like 30 different things all right moving on champions league so last week we talked about how relevant sports had acquired the rights to uh the champions league in the united states to go ahead and sell for the next right cycle so whether they're going to shop it around and see if it's going to be paramount plus or whoever that's going to pick up the rights still a long ways off but that's what we talked about last week on last week's episode uh football lovers 100 says i hope the champions league stays on to uh, Fetchin says, I think the UEFA Champions League rights should stay with Paramount+. Plus. The, um, the English Football League and the FA Cup and the Championship need to go to NBC to combine the rights with the Premier League. It would make sense to have all of the UK packages for soccer, uh, like the Bundesliga and La Liga have on ESPN+, Plus and Serie A on Paramount+. Plus. It doesn't make sense to make those soccer rights separate for England. It would be easier to have everything in one place. So, yeah, it, in a perfect world, it would be easier. But the associations that sell these rights, they're on different cycles. And so, for example, say um, the FA Cup and the uh, the championship, um, those rights would be sold by the Football Association and uh, the Football League, uh, which are not the same as the Premier League. And so it, it is complicated. And it, yes, in an ideal world, all of the English soccer games would be on NBC. All of the Italian games, such as uh, Serie A and Coppa Italia, etc., would be on Paramount Plus, like it is now. Um, and and Champions League, maybe Champions League. You know, who knows where it goes to? But um, yeah, it makes sense from the consumer point of view. But from the business point of view, it, it's not as easy as that. Matt wants to talk about the Club World Cup. He says, as a Chelsea fan, this game meant a bit more because Chelsea had never won the Club World Cup and we had lost the final the previous time around. This trophy meant Chelsea would complete 
football minus the UEFA Conference League as the only trophy we were we were missing. So for me, and I think a lot of online Chelsea fans, this game was a lot more meaningful for us as redemption, and a lot of Chelsea fans were really invested in this tournament. As a side note, I enjoyed the Club World Cup as a whole. I'm a big fan of this tournament being expanded. I think it's a bit criminal that FIFA undervalues the competition with just seven clubs. However, factoring in player safety and their careers, I do also have my hesitations too about expansion. Maybe the summer tournament replacing the International Champions Cup could be a solution. Last comment, and I'm not sure if this was mentioned. I have been a little inconsistent on listening to the pods lately, but I, wish, but I watch all my games through computer or streaming. And did Peacock's Premier League feeds get a big update in frame rate? I feel the refresh rate is much higher over the last few weeks and games feel more lively from the picture. Maybe it's it's my monitors, but I swear it changed. Really happy to get uh, nicer streams from it, at least on my end. Yeah, and it looks like um, just as the coverage on Peacock and functionality was improved for the Winter Olympics, um, a lot of those changes carried over to uh, to the actual Premier League games too on Peacock. So, yeah, quite a few of our um, listeners and readers have been talking about it uh, in the comments section at worldsoccertalk.com about uh, the improved Peacock experience. Still not perfect, but it's definitely uh, definitely improving. And then um, following up on um, Matt's comment about the Club World Cup, Leo had something to say relatively related. Um, and he says, on a different topic, I want to share my my experience. I've been watching more and more games from the UAE, so United Arab Emirates, the league games. Uh, these games are available through a separate separate subscription on the FanSeat website. This is not the fastest soccer in the world, but there are so many technical players out there. The level of broadcast was a pleasant surprise. In addition, reviews of the match day and additional content related to the league are available. In English, in most cases, much better than on Goal TV. It helps to dive deeper into this championship. Now I watch all the games of the match day. There are not so many teams and additional programs. The UAE League was a pleasant surprise to me. In Kartik, geography test your question. Uh, So the games from the Club World Cup were played in uh, Abu Dhabi. Correct. And Abu Dhabi is in the UAE? Yes. Okay. In fact, the the leading emirate in the UAE. Okay, good. It's the capital of the UAE. Okay, good. I was just making sure that the segue... (laughs) I was like second-guessing myself. I'm like, wait a second. Is Abu Dhabi actually in the UAE? I believe so, but I was correct on that one. Uh, Leo does does mention one more comment, too, before we uh, wrap up here. It says, in a recent episode, you discussed um, the English Championship and related topics. I would like to add something. We hear different opinions here and there. But what's important to me is that you respect your listeners and don't use strong words. In addition, you let the listener have their own opinion. Yeah, I think yeah we agree with that. I mean, to me, at the end of the day, uh, I love soccer. I love all soccer. I mean, I love watching soccer. I love playing soccer. I mean, to me, soccer is the ultimate sport. It, it is my life. I, if I told my life story, so many of the different milestones in my life would be centered around soccer. It's for me. It's uh, it adds meaning. It's just beautiful. It's it just it's such a pure game. It's not perfect by any means. And some teams are better than other teams. Some leagues are better than other leagues. But at the heart of it, I love watching soccer. And and, and that's been really 
my goal with World Soccer Talk really um, at the heart of it is to help grow soccer, is to help grow the sport in terms of making it more accessible to fans around the United States to make it easier to figure out where to watch the games. And, and that's been my number one goal since day one and still is. But uh, yeah, thank you, Leo, for that. I appreciate it. All right. If you've got something that you'd like to ask us uh, or have any, have any feedback on anything we've mentioned, we'd love to read your comments out on air. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, uh, where can they find you on Twitter and, and what's going on as far as Twitter goes? Any, any uh, interesting debates or, or threads or, or kind of uh, topics that you've been uh, focusing on lately, even, even if it's not soccer? Well, yeah, if it's not soccer, then there's just a lot of, uh, lot, lot of uh, political and, and societal stuff going on. I think in terms of uh, soccer, there's a, 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 an ongoing debate sparked by Craig Burley of ESPN – <laughs> about um, which I guess has consumed I'm, a lot of my Twitter time. About, I'm glad uh, I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning this too because I, <laughs> I, I forgot to mention that. Go ahead. Right about the Club World Cup and uh, its value. So uh, Chelsea fans got very very defensive. I have to say that I think a lot of fans don't understand a lot of fans in the United States and a lot of fans on continental Europe, particularly fans of Real Madrid, Juventus, Bayern, don't understand that a, for a lot of fans in England. The domestic competition comes first before European or international competitions. Now, I realize that's not the culture everywhere else. So uh, when I weighed in on Burley's side, I really took it on the chin because people said, well, you know, what about uh, the Champions League is bigger than the Premier League? The Champions League is bigger. I said, it, it depends. In England, that's not necessarily the, the, the perspective. In fact, then, interestingly enough, after these Twitter spats and everybody went after Bur- Burley, I did a space on Twitter on Monday night discussing this subject and found that um, among fans of Premier League clubs who weren't Chelsea, okay, fans of Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, uh, Fulham, smaller clubs, right, Spurs, you know, we even brought, uh, we had a Brighton fan on. Uh, yeah, to them, like, European competition is secondary. It's winning the domestic competition first. Now, uh, the, the the thing that came out of that uh, um Space was that a, a, a lot of the people thought maybe Chelsea fans are uh, self-justifying because they feel in an era of Klopp and uh, Guardiola, it's impossible to win the Premier League. So uh, then you start talking about your ability to win trophies on the continent and internationally. So I don't know. I think it's in the, it's in the hands of each individual supporter, whether they think Europe is more important or their domestic competitions. But... Um, the fact that Burley got such pushback for stating something, I think that is pretty mainstream among supporters in England. And I think mm-hmm. part of it is that Burley's a former Chelsea player and Chelsea fans have come come to this conclusion long ago that they think he has some sort of built in bias against his former club, which I can assure you, I don't think is the case. He, he calls him as he sees him. Uh, Craig Burley, one of my favorites personally, one of our favorites on this show. But um, it just sparked uh, what has been a, uh, a long week of Twitter discourse. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so you can find Kartik on Twitter at KKFLA737. But Kartik, yeah, I, 100% I agreed with K- Craig Burley. What I was surprised by is how many U.S. soccer journalists didn't get it and actually argued with him. I'm like, 
wait but a second. But in the U.S., I think it's different, right? Yeah. That's part oh, of for the sure. Thing. Yeah. 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 Go, yeah. So, so, yeah. But but Burley's point was like, kind of, if you're in England, you know, I mean, the Premier League is in many ways is is much much important, kind of in, in the hierarchy of trophies. Now, I mean, if you're Liverpool and you're winning the Premier League, that is massive, absolutely huge. Um, in Liverpool, it's a little bit different because they have a history of winning the European Cup and Champions League. And, uh, I mean, they've got a proud history of that. But Liverpool winning the Premier League is absolutely massive. And to me, you know I mean? I would put the Premier League number one, Champions League number two, and then League Cup number three, League, uh, FA Cup number three, League Cup number four, I mean, Europa League number five, and then number six, probably Club World Cup. Right. And so where I'm a little controversial is I transpose Champions League and FA Cup with you. And I'm one of my great regrets as a Man City supporter is I think this era of City superiority, we've left a bunch of FA Cups on the table. Uh, let Arsenal and Chelsea take them, really. Um, but uh, yeah, it was interesting, the space, because we had a number of Man United fans, as we always do, on that space. And they were of the view that uh, this is Chelsea fans, and I think they like to have pops at Chelsea, right? But this is Chelsea fans just knowing that in the era of Guardiola, and, and one of the United fans compared Guardiola's dominance at City to, to Sir Alex Ferguson's dominance at United, that maybe Chelsea fans realize they can't win the Premier League as long as Guardiola's at, at, at City. So they're projecting by saying these trophies are more important than the Premier League, which uh, the 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 two Man United fans who chimed in on our space thought was absurd, right? But mm-hmm. again, that's a Man United thing. I've known that about United fans too. They're like City fans who 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 think the Premier League is more important than Europe. Now, you're right. Liverpool has a history in Europe, so maybe Liverpool fans feel a little differently. Mm-hmm. Although I think they had gone so long without winning the, uh, uh, the league a, a few years ago that that became the emphasis, right? Winning, yep. um, winning the league. So. Um, yeah, it was an interesting discussion, but I the thing that I didn't get, and I again, it's the each individual. The thing I did not like is the number of people in the U.S. in particular who basically said Burley's take was absurd and, and really didn't understand that there are cultural differences between England and, and the continent and, and differences between England and the U.S. And I would also emphasize – the views of a lot of these people have been skewed by Real Madrid, Juventus, Bayern Munich fans, right? The fans of the the big clubs in Europe. Now, I'm going to sound like a Premier League fanboy, the thing I detest, right? The thing I've called out on the show for years. But uh, maybe those domestic competitions don't have as much value. Maybe they're not as difficult to win as the Premier League. So uh, that creates a different level of expectation and a diff- different emphasis. I mean, I, I pointed out time and again that, that Real Madrid and that era of dominance in Europe, that recent era of dominance in Europe, were generally finishing behind Barcelona in the league every year and several seasons finished behind Atleti. So um, maybe it's, again, because I'm kind of anglicized in my thinking, I view things differently. I look at Chelsea, people call them European champions, and I say this is a team that hasn't finished higher than third in their domestic league in five seasons. So how can they be champions of anything? is my view. But then again, that's me. I know most people probably disagree with that. Yeah, I was surprised by how out of touch some of the U.S. soccer journalists were about what Craig Burley had said and then had replied back and, and basically saying, this guy's nuts. What is he talking about? 
when the reality is is Craig is 100% correct. And and that's the thing, though, too, Kartik. We talked about on this podcast maybe two weeks ago about the Club World Cup and how much more meaningful it is to South Americans and yeah. fans of South America. And if you watch the Club World Cup at the very end of that game when Chelsea put that second goal in and it was, okay, game over, and you saw the close-ups of those fans in the stadium, the Palmeiras fans, um, they're in tears. You could tell the men and women were absolutely in tears, and you could tell how much it meant to them uh, not winning this game. Now, if the tables were turned and Chelsea were losing 2 0, uh, Palmeiras was on the verge of victory, Palmeiras fans would be going crazy, of course. But if you had close ups of those Chelsea fans, they'd probably have their arms folded, they'd be dissatisfied, but they would not be crying. So, I mean, Club World Cup, in terms of kind of culturally, South America is on a different wavelength completely and, and put, puts it more on a pedestal than in, in Europe. Um, and vice versa, too, with the Premier League, is if you ask an Arsenal fan and say, hey, Arsenal fan, you mean you've been a lifelong Arsenal fan, which would you rather win right now? Would you rather win the Premier League or the Champions League? What would they say? Uh, I think they'd say the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely, right? Because it puts you on the map. It says, like, you mean, because even when Liverpool were winning the, the Champions League, Manchester United fans were saying, like, oh, well, big deal. Like, when's the last time you won a Premier League title or a top flight title? That was 30 years ago. So, I mean, for Arsenal fans, I mean, it, there's definitely that pause. And I think this thing that Man City somehow is not some sort of uh, accomplished club because they haven't won the, uh, the Champions League is a, is a continental view. It's a European view. It's a view maybe that's uh, also. Uh, by Americans, but it is not the view in the UK at all, right? It's just like uh, in the UK, Manchester City not winning the Champions League and, and g- until last season generally being dumped out in the quarterfinals of the round of 16. Um, not, uh, yeah, the quarterfinals of the round of 16 it has been, oh, well, you know, that's just a mo- kind of a minor annoyance in what is an era of uh, City hegemony. Now, maybe, again, Chris, this goes back to English fans, English media being a little insular. Okay, For I sure. do concede that that is part of part of it. And in, as far as the insular insularity of England, they see since Pep has come to Manchester City, they're almost unplayable domestically, whether it be in the league or the or or, or the League Cup. FA Cup has been, as I mentioned, a little bit of a bugaboo for me as a City fan. But generally, City's getting to the semifinals of the FA Cup and then losing there. So um, that may be part of the insularity of England. But to act like it's a view without merit, because, again, I think the majority of fans in England feel that way, uh, of, of most clubs. And Chelsea fans that uh, say they feel differently, maybe a lot of them are foreign Chelsea fans, or they're, as uh, the United fans on, on MySpace the other day felt, they were projecting because they know they feel like they can't win the league as long as Guardiola is at City. And I would argue as long as Klopp is at Liverpool. United fans don't like to give Liverpool credit for anything. So when I said Klopp also, they were like, no, 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 it's because Guardiola is at City. No one's going to beat City. But, um, mm-hmm. but I think that's it. They're, they're looking at third place at best most seasons. Yeah, I think part of this too, and I have to go in a minute, Kartik, but part of this is that um, the American viewpoint is definitely different than the European viewpoint, or probably more so different than the English viewpoint. And the American viewpoint is the lens that they're looking through is cup competitions. So you look at the Super Bowl, which is effectively a cup competition. You look at MLS, 
does anyone remember who the Supporters Shield winners are? NCAA tournament is a cup competition. I mean, I, I, I hate the fact that some of the best teams in the regular season in college basketball lose early in the tournament and people act like they're failures. So that's it's yeah. all so, cup competition. Yeah, so World, playoffs, World, World cup Series, competition. Stanley World Cup. Series, same thing. So yeah. what, what sports league in the United States has a, a meaningful league table season where it's, I mean, you play it home, used to you be play college away. football, but now college football has become more Americanized. I mean, part of my historic comparison between college football and European football had to do with college football having no playoffs. And it was very just very traditional that way. Yeah. But now we have a playoff the last few years, and now they're talking about expanding the playoffs, which will make it less less, less and less meaningful. Yeah, season. and I can see like how American sports journalists or American soccer fans – I mean, would kind of see things through a different lens and would maybe be confused by what Craig Burley said, but he was 100% correct. And you know, props to Craig Burley. And, and hopefully it was a learning experience for some of the people that got it wrong because, I mean, he was correct 100%. So, all right, Kartik, I'm going to uh, sign off this week. Enjoy your football. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A, Malibu.com, code GLOW.